controversial comments from Senator Mike Braun amidst a heated Supreme Court confirmation. We'll have the latest from D.C. Plus, the governor vetoes the transgender sports bill, but signs the bill getting rid of gun permits. We'll hear from an Indiana sheriff and from the ACLU of Indiana. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. It was a heated confirmation hearing for the president's historic Supreme Court nominee, but it was an Indiana senator making national news in the midst of that confirmation fight because of his comments on interracial marriage that he later tried to walk back. We'll have much more on Senator Braun's controversial remarks coming up. But we start today at the State House and a pretty noteworthy veto from Governor Holcomb this week on the transgender sports bill. Kristen Eskow has the latest on that bill and another controversial piece of legislation that the governor did sign into law. The governor vetoed one controversial bill, the transgender athletes bill, and signed another that would allow many Hoosiers age 18 and older to carry handguns without a permit. On the permitless carry bill, the governor said in a statement that this bill, quote, entrust Hoosiers who can lawfully carry a handgun to responsibly do so within our state. He goes on to point out the law does not apply to those who can't get a gun right now, including convicted felons or anyone deemed mentally unfit. Now, during the session, opponents had argued that the bill would make Hoosiers less safe. One of the most vocal opponents was State Police Superintendent Doug Carter. In a statement earlier, he said, quote, I will work with law enforcement leaders across our state to make necessary changes to firearms enforcement, as well as finding the best way to identify individuals who are not allowed to carry a firearm. Now that law goes into effect July 1st. The governor also vetoed a bill that would have banned transgender girls from playing girls school sports. In a letter to the state house, he said the bill could create confusion and students could be treated differently depending on which school they attend or compete for. Nine-year-old Kieran Clawson is excited for her first day of soccer practice in Bloomington. It's one of several sports she plays. I've made friends with almost all the teammates I've had in the, since I was like four. Kieran is transgender and plays on girls' teams now. She'd be limited in the future if the bill banning transgender girls from playing girls' school sports becomes law. Republican Indiana lawmakers may override the governor's veto. Kieran's father testified against the bill twice. She's really done great and so it hasn't there hasn't been any issues that we've ever had. While parents who support the bill couldn't speak with us today, several testified this session, arguing the bill ensures girls have a fair opportunity to compete. In a letter to lawmakers, Governor Eric Holcomb argued he found no evidence girls are being put at any unfair disadvantage right now. Indiana House Speaker Todd Houston disagreed in a statement, saying, quote, this issue continues to be in the national spotlight and for good reason, as women have worked hard for equal opportunities on the playing field and that's exactly what they deserve. Advocates applaud the House Republicans' response. I think what we see is how quickly it only takes one male competing in a female category to quickly dominate, and that's why we need to take these proactive measures. Meanwhile, Nathaniel Clawson hopes the governor's veto stands. If you're really worried about this, let the IHSAA handle it the way they have been because it hasn't been a problem. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kristen Escal. All right, Kristen, thank you. We did reach out to the ACLU after Governor Holcomb vetoed the bill. They call the move a victory for transgender youth, but they say they realize they could still face an uphill battle when the legislature brings that bill back in May. 
our message is that you belong. You belong here. You should be treated just as, as your friends do. You should be able to have all the opportunities that your friends have. And even if this law somehow gets put into place, that the ACLU is going to do everything we can to make sure it never comes into effect and that we protect trans kids by all means possible. Now, Governor Holcomb, by the way, joined Utah's governor who vetoed a similar bill dealing with transgender athletes. As we said earlier, while the governor vetoed that bill, he did sign into law another controversial measure that drew scrutiny at the statehouse. The legislation that essentially does away with gun permits for most Hoosiers. A lot of reaction from the law enforcement community. The state police superintendent opposed that bill. Also this week, we heard from the sheriff in Vanderburg County down in Evansville. He explained some of the complications they may face when that law takes effect in July. For law enforcement, uh, now if you have maybe three people who shouldn't possess a weapon inside a vehicle and they get stopped by police and there is a weapon, they can have some young person, 18-year-old person car and just claim, hey, those are my guns. Now on that bill, Attorney General Todd Rokita said we'll defend any attacks on constitutional carry and remain committed not only to the right to defend ourselves and our families, but to the great women and men of law enforcement statewide. He said the governor was correct to sign this manifestation of our God-given Second Amendment rights into code, in his words, and should be recognized for that. But on the transgender sports bill, Rokita said, quote, we stand by this law and will vigorously defend it in court if and hopefully when the General Assembly overrides the veto. CPAC wrote this letter to the governor saying, while we appreciate your strong record on pro-life and Second Amendment issues, this veto on transgender sports stands out in their words, as a stain on your record. Senator Mike Braun also weighing in on the veto of the transgender sports bill, saying girls sports should be for girls. I'm disappointed Governor Holcomb vetoed a bill to make this law in Indiana, and I support a veto override to protect women's athletics. So Holcomb facing some pushback from conservatives, but of course Braun facing scrutiny this week as well. It wasn't long after he issued that statement that he made national news, as we mentioned earlier, all because of what he said about interracial marriage in a call with reporters during this very busy week in the nation's capital. Statements that he has since attempted to walk back. That press conference started off with a discussion on the nomination hearings for Judge Kentanji Brown Jackson, the first black woman to be nominated for the U.S. Supreme Court, which I asked Braun about as that call with reporters got started on Tuesday. Might we see some Republicans cross over and vote to confirm Judge Jackson? Well, I don't think there'll be any Democrat voting against her. I think they're probably three or four Republicans uh, that would maybe lean that direction. But if the case is made uh, that with prior opinions at lower court levels and her answers to what she wants to accomplish, they generally are understated if you're talking about judicial activism. Um, everyone basically in a perfunctory way will say, I'm gonna be neutral, look at the merits of the case. I think that'll determine whether it's purely a partisan vote or not. Um, we'll see what happens. All right, from there, other reporters had a chance to ask Braun questions as well about cases like Roe v. Wade and whether Braun would support decisions like that being overturned and left up to the states. That's when Dan Cardin from the Northwest Indiana Times Ask the senator if that theory should also apply to cases like Loving versus Virginia, which dealt with interracial marriage. You would be okay with the Supreme Court leaving the question of interracial marriage to the states? 
yes, I think that that's something that uh, if you're not wanting the Supreme Court to weigh in on issues like that, uh, you're not going to be able to have your cake and eat it too. I think that's hypocritical. All right. After he made that original comment, Indiana Democrats issued a statement saying, quote, Mike Braun's words and views are not only un-American, but beneath any respectable person wishing to hold public office. The United States Supreme Court has affirmed many times that marriage equality in our country extends to any committed couple. Now, later that day, Senator Braun issued a statement saying he, quote, misunderstood the line of questioning and that, quote, the Constitution prohibits discrimination of any kind based on race. That is not something that is even up for debate. He says, I condemn racism in any form. Of course, we'll talk about it all with our panel coming up. Today, we're also following the latest on the war in Ukraine. This week, the Secretary of State now officially accusing Russia of war crimes as President Biden meets with NATO allies in Brussels. We've also will welcome 100,000 Ukrainians to the United States with a focus on reuniting families. And we will invest $320 million to bolster democratic resilience and defend human rights in Ukraine and neighboring countries. Governor Holcomb also headed overseas this weekend where he'll meet with Ukrainian refugees here in the coming days. Coming up, we're going to talk about the life and legacy of former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright as we chat with a Hoosier who knew her well. Plus, what's next after the governor's veto of the transgender sports bill amidst a lot of criticism from within his own party, including from Senator Mike Braun, who, as we mentioned, faced controversy of his own this week. We'll talk about it all with our panel straight ahead. All right, welcome back. Let's bring in our panel right now. With us today on Zoom, former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston, and 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel. And here in studio, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy and former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner-Chartier. Jennifer, a lot to get to here this week. Let's start with the governor's veto of the transgender sports bill. Are you surprised he vetoed the bill? I was shocked. You could have knocked me over with a feather last Monday, um, but shocked in a really good way. Uh, I think it took an amazing amount of courage to do that, which says a lot about our current political environment. But one of the things conservatives like to say all the time is that government shouldn't pick winners and losers. And Governor Holcomb was actually true to his conservative roots there. This bill didn't just pick, not pick winners and losers. It actually completely disallowed an entire group of people from playing sports. It was always a solution in search of a problem. And I commend him for the action he took. Governor of Utah made a similar move this week, uh, vetoing a similar piece of legislation. Mike, the governor certainly has faced a lot of pushback from within his own party for that veto. And now it seems lawmakers are indeed poised to override that veto when they're back at the state house in May. I think, I think the governor, you know, he has his reasons. And I think you have to separate out the gun bill from the transgender bill. You can't lump them together and try to make some great philosophical soup out of it. They were very separate issues with very separate reasoning for signing in for, for vetoing. But I think the governor, it's incumbent upon the governor to do a good job of explaining to the public, um, not just through a, a written veto message, but get out there and tell people why he did what he did so that people understand and they, then they have a better opportunity to agree or disagree. I, mean, I guarantee you the legislature is going to override this yeah. veto. It's like 
you know, as, as, as sure as uh, night follows day. And to your point, I, I don't believe they sent a press release about the veto uh, specifically. It was all contained, uh, his, his reasoning, as you put it, within that letter yeah, to lawmakers. Yeah, and, and some media veto. people, and I'm, I don't know this for a fact because yeah. I haven't been involved, but some media people are complaining that he's dodging them and not willing to talk about why he vetoed the bill. And I think he's the governor of the state of Indiana. He made a major policy decision. He needs to explain to the people of Indiana what his okay. reasons were. Let's turn to Tony next. Tony, uh, the governor uh, took a lot of heat from conservatives on the transgender sports bill, but he did sign, as Mike mentioned, that permitless carry bill. Where does this put him uh, with conservatives politically in Indiana right now? Well, great question, um, and, and uh, I'll hand it to Mike. Mike. Mike predicted that he would sign the permitless carry bill, uh, and, and he did, maybe surprising a few, but uh, obviously um, pleasing conservatives and, and gun owners, uh, gun rights advocates. Um, it, where it puts him with conservatives, you know, it's, it's so hard to, to say. He's, uh, he's not uh, able to run for reelection for governor again, so maybe it doesn't matter so much. Maybe he's looking at a Senate seat, so maybe it will down the road, but I think uh, voters will judge him for his okay. overall record and, and, and how okay. he handled himself through the pandemic okay. as well. Yeah, I want to get Robin's reaction to all this. Robin, what, what did you make of the governor's moves here? But the governor did the right thing. The Indiana High School Sports Association backed him up on it. I do not agree with him on the permitless carry. His own state police uh, superintendent was against it. As I said last week, Dan, I can, I'm concerned about our law enforcement officers are going to walk up on a car without being able to go in and do their computer checks to find out whether there might be a gun in that car. All right, let's turn to Washington now amidst that heated confirmation hearing for the president's historic Supreme Court nominee, Judge Jackson. Indiana Senator Mike Braun made national news of his own this week because of his comments on interracial marriage that he later tried to walk back. Mike, your thoughts uh, on what the senator said, his, his efforts to try and walk it back, and what it means for his future in politics. Well, first of all, I don't believe for a minute that Mike Braun's a racist. I think he is very inartful in ask, answering questions. Dan Cardin twice gave him a chance to clarify, and he still said, I, you know, he basically said, I believe that states should be able to decide whether interracial marriage is legal. And Dan, Dan Cardin said, Senator, this is why I'm asking you. Is this what you're saying? Yeah. He said, yes, this is what I'm saying. So, so anytime somebody tries to walk back something like that, they make matters worse. They should shut up. They should apologize. And, and you know, Mike Braun is, is just not a very articulate person when it comes to handling things off the cuff. I, I was on that press call Tuesday and, and had already asked the senator a couple of questions when this line of questioning came up. It certainly seemed as if he understood the questions. I, I think we were all pretty stunned by his answers. His, his aides ended the call soon after, and Jennifer, it wasn't long after that, his comments made national news. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with Mike. Like, this was a, it's a ham-handed answer. Um, I actually think that because he had these opportunities to walk it back on the call, like, this is what he believes. Um, and I feel a tremendous amount of empathy for his aides, especially his communication staff, because, you know, he made Indiana a national story again uh, for a really embarrassing reason. The question, though, becomes, the long-term question, 2024, whether he runs for governor or for U.S. Senate again, was this his Richard Murdoch moment? 
We'll see. Um, we yeah. won't know. There's a couple years to go right. between now and that. T Tony, Indiana GOP Chair uh, Kyle Hupfer issued a, a statement this week uh, saying, quote, there are some rights so intrinsic to us as humans and Americans that the states can't be left to decide those issues on their own, including ensuring racial equality. That statement, though, did not mention Senator Braun by name. Others, like Senator Young, haven't had much of anything to say about Braun's comments. Uh, should the GOP, should GOP leaders go further in condemning his, his initial remarks? Well, yeah, my first reaction when I heard this was, oh, no, my wife's going to use this and try to divorce me um, <laughs> because she's white. And he, <laughs> just a joke. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I believe that he didn't mean it. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, uh, Chairman Hupfer was right to put that uh, statement out there. I think, you know, we'll, we'll get past this. He's not a racist. I don't think I know him. Um, he just could have been, uh, he could have thought through it a little bit more and taken the opportunity to walk it back. This is a problem for not just Senator Braun, but a lot of Republicans, um, you know, here lately okay. put, their, put their foot in their mouth and they need to do a better job of communication. Robin, all this amidst a lot of Supreme Court news this week. Clarence Thomas in the hospital this past week, his wife under scrutiny for texts to the former chief of staff. These are certainly unprecedented times for the nation's high court as well. They are. One thing Mike Braun can do is vote for Judge Jackson and put her on the Supreme Court. Dan, I don't know how much more we have to offer with a qualified applicant for that job. Years on the bench, double Harvard, well-respected. So if you want to prove that, that your statement was mistaken about something else related to race, vote for Judge Jackson and put her on the court. All right, we'll see what happens. Our thanks to Robin, our thanks to the panel. They'll be back for this week's Winners and Losers coming up. Straight ahead, we'll hear from an Army veteran running for Congress, plus Madeleine Albright's life and legacy and the perspective of one Hoosier who knew her well. Tell our story about how we climbed the ladder, and a lot of you younger women don't think you have to, it's been done, it's not done. Madeleine Albright passed away this week. She was the first woman to serve as Secretary of State and a central figure in President Bill Clinton's administration. We spoke with one of her former colleagues, Lee Feinstein, served in her State Department and recently stepped down as a dean at IU. She brought a very unique perspective to the job. I mean, she was obviously a pioneer in many ways, but she was also a refugee who, whose family fled uh, Nazi Germany. And she brought that perspective that uh, tremendous patriotism and appreciation for being welcomed into the United States, she and her family, uh, to her job. She was a, a tremendously patriotic person, uh, but she also believed that it was important for the United States to live up to its values. Albright's accomplishments earned her the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2012. She also came here to Indiana on multiple occasions through the years. Also this week, we continue to cover the race for Congress and the massive primary in the 9th District to replace Trey Hollingsworth. We've already sat down with Aaron Houchin and Mike Sodrell. This week, we hear from two more candidates in the race, Jim Baker and Stu Barnes Israel. When I'm traveling the district every single day, talking to Hoosiers about the issues facing them in Southern Indiana, they tell me they want 
a fighter and they want someone who can actually get things done. Uh, and that's who I am, that's what I have a history of doing, uh, of serving in the United States Army where I led a platoon in combat uh, and getting things done in the business world. And that's what I'm gonna do uh, in Washington, D.C. is fight for Hoosiers and get things done. Some candidates in this race either have experience in Congress holding this very seat or in the state legislature. Why do you think the district should turn to, to an outsider who has not been in politics previously? Well, look, I think, uh, again, the, the issues facing Hoosier families need real solutions and need people fighting for them to actually get it done. We need to fix our economy, we need to secure our border, and we need to reduce crime in our communities. These are the issues facing our families every single day and the issues that Hoosiers tell me they want someone fighting for and actually getting it done. I've never run for office in my life. But I've been in the commercial real estate business for over 40 years, and I know the 9th District very well as a result of what I do. I'm in economic development every single day, and I'm a sixth-generation Southern Indiana Hoosier. Uh, I love our country. I love the region that we live in. And I really care about the people, the generations coming after us. I have children, grandchildren. This is not about me, it's about the people that are gonna follow us. What would you wanna to bring to Congress if elected? Experience, wisdom, and, and a seriousness that I don't think's there. All right, we're gonna have more interviews with the candidates next week. Stick around, we're back to wrap things up after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Tony, I'll start with you. I have just one loser of the week, Vice President Kamala Harris. She fumbles the ball every time they hand it off to her. She's had 11 staffers that have left her office in the last few weeks, and you're seeing more and more uh, leaks from the White House that are damaging to her. Robin? Judge Jackson, I mean, what a tremendous display during her hearings. we got an eminently qualified person, double Harvard, inspirational, aspirational. What a role model for our future generations. Mike, you're up next. I, winner has to be this week, Governor Holcomb, for signing the constitutional carry bill. I think that was courageous. It was the right thing to do. My loser, bless his heart, has to be Mike Braun. He, I don't think he's a racist, but I think he's so inartful, he just does not get it when it comes to making live statements. Jennifer, you get the last word. I mean, bless his heart. But my winner uh, this week has to be the ACLU of Indiana, the tireless advocates there, and the families of trans youth across our state um, who really scored a huge victory with the veto. Um, those kids deserve to be seen. They're going to have to keep working to prevent that veto from being overridden. But, but my gosh, what a victory. We'll see what happens when lawmakers are back at the State House again in May. Our thanks to the panel. Our thanks to all of you for joining us. We'll see you again next weekend.